Welcome to Make Money Count. In this episode, we'll be talking about five ways that you can make money in the recession. We'd love if you wrote us a review wherever you're listening. Welcome to our podcast, Make Money Count. This is a good one. It's like all about how to make money during a recession. Right. How to prepare yourself, the things that you can do, the things that you might want to avoid. Or how Marcus would like to say, not lose money during a recession. The first thing that we're going to talk, talk about, talk about is stocks. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, so the, first, the first thing that we're going to talk about is buying good stocks. Marcus, tell us about a little bit about where you're at with that right now. Listen, there's a lot of great companies that have been hammered by the general market malaise. Retail investors get pulled into the market and they don't have you know, the same mindset as some of these institutional pro investors have. And when they see something drop, they dump it. Right. right? It's how, you know, seasoned market insiders or institutional investors make a lot of money. Right. So there are stocks like Facebook is down 75%. Right. From its, like Mark Zuckerberg has lost over a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> That's crazy. Can you imagine? It's, you know, probably the GDP of Rwanda. Yeah. Anyways, these companies, like Amazon is now less than a trillion dollar value. Right. If you believed in these companies before, right. there isn't that much. I mean, in the case of Facebook, maybe there is a little more of a fundamental change. Like Facebook, you know, has now directed a great deal of their CapEx to spending on the metaverse. Right. And which I don't even know what that is right now. It's like the best Zoom meeting you've ever had. <laughs> so Mark Zuckerberg made a has, has made a massive bet. I mean, he changed the name of the company, the parent company, from Facebook to Meta. Right. And um, this this pivot that he's made has cost the market cap of his company dearly. Right. But the company still owns WhatsApp and. Facebook yeah, yeah, and yeah. Instagram. Instagram yeah. And I don't know about you, but like whenever I see someone on their phone, they're always on Instagram. Yes. So the other thing is everybody hates Mark Zuckerberg, right? He's a right. hateable guy. Yeah. And people are happy that he's lost $100 billion. And potentially an alien. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Yeah. A, a robot for sure yeah. of some kind. Yeah. Anyways, it's just one example of a company that's been beaten down, mm-hmm. but has really great assets. Right. And You've got to believe that there is a lot of smart money in there. And a lot of people got pissed off and pulled their money out, which is why the stock market, stock market punished Facebook. But um, at a certain point, there's, there's an entry back into Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Amazon, less than a trillion dollars. Uh, listen, Amazon did so well on the pandemic. Right? right. Everybody was ordering things. I don't know about you. I still order things on Amazon. Yeah. Right. And Amazon... The what gave Amazon its success was this kind of leadership that the company had in Jeff Bezos of not watching its the stock price for a very extended period of time and worrying more about what would make that company better and more competitive with greater barriers to entry. In the future. Right. So he would make capital expenditures. He'd make investments in that business 
that the market didn't agree with at the time that he was making those investments. Right. Similar to what Mark Zuckerberg was doing is doing right now with Metaverse with Meta. Yeah. Jeff Bezos was rewarded handsomely with those investments. Right. And look across all of the billionaires that we have right now, all the richest people in the world. Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. When Elon Musk came out and said, my compensation from Tesla is going to be tied to certain performance metrics of the company, certain car deliveries, sales revenue hits. And these are what they, these are the targets that I'm setting out. Those targets, people laughed at him because number one, the targets seemed so unattainable. Right. And number two, his benefit, his compensation from hitting those targets seemed astronomical. Right. And he hit them all. I, I know what I'm investing in. What? I mean, the things that you just said. Amazon. Uh, listen, the other thing is they probably have a little more pain to come, right? Right. But if you're buying, like, the other thing is have a time horizon, right? Right. If, like, if you're buying something for long term, mm-hmm. These are good entry points. Yeah, no. You're going to have to deal with them falling a little bit more in the short term, but long term, they're going to be worth more than they are today. So number two on our list today is investing in properties. I mean, you know, like stocks, I'm sure that Time Horizon has a lot to do with that, but what, 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 do you, what about investing in properties? Yeah, same thing. I, I think you'll be rewarded for making investments right now in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, you may be more rewarded if you wait six months to make those investments. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as, as rates normalize and we head into this recession and then rates begin to decrease, the same thing's going to happen. It's all cyclical, right? Mm-hmm. Property values will then come back up and the people that invested in real estate while everyone was running for the exits are going to do very well. Right. Um, it's just that the carrying costs of real estate have increased so dramatically, so quickly mm-hmm. that, you know, that's why we saw that in the initial drop in prices. That's why we'll see a continued drop in prices. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's um, over the next kind of, you know, six to 12 months, it's a great entry point and um, it's a good time to buy good real estate. Listen, Canada is open for immigration. Um, it's a great place to live. And the fundamentals of, of our economy aren't changing. Mm. You know, we maybe got taking, taken on a, a bad course for a little while, and we're going to pay for that now. Mm-hmm. But um, I wouldn't bet against Canada. I wouldn't bet against Canadian real estate, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the long term. Yeah. Like, there's never going to be too many houses. I, I don't see that happening. Right? Right. I, I, certainly right now, what we're indicating is a real supply problem, right? Yeah. Not enough housing. Yeah. And um, so I think you would, you'll be rewarded, right? If, you know, you, you, can, you can get into the market, um, you know, in this time frame right now, I think you'll be rewarded. Like, you can buy things that you weren't able to buy before mm-hmm. and you can buy them at much better pricing. Right. And although that will continue for the next kind of in the short term, medium to long term, prices are going to be higher. Right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Canada's economy is changing. Mortgage rates are rising. Property values are falling. The equity in your home 
feels out of reach. Your bank doesn't have the answers for you. Connect.ca helps homeowners borrow for less. Your home loan approved online in seconds. Funded in 24 hours. Then the advice you need to get back on track. The money you need. The answers you need. When it matters most. I'm Marcus from Connect. Let's make money count. And then continuing on this real estate path, I think number three that we wanted to talk about today was, and probably Marcus's favorite, investing in a MIC or a mortgage investment fund, mortgage investment corporation. Um, you know, obviously a little bit of a biased opinion around here, but, but you know. Listen, to be clear, I wouldn't advise investing in any mortgage investment corporation. Of course not. Yeah. I know one really, really well. <laughs> What's it called? Connect. I love it. Um, and I know it so well. I know all of the loans that are in our book. I know the borrowers. Um, we've made very careful underwriting decisions as to who we're going to lend money to. Mm-hmm. And that's paying dividends right now to our investors. Right. Um, we've never had a loss in our mortgage fund. Mm-hmm. And that's not changing. Right. right? Our, our fund is below 50% loan to value on the stuff that we've got in it right now. Mm-hmm. The majority of our loans are in first position. Um, just because the real estate market is scary right now doesn't mean good lenders are scary right now. Right. Um, so we've positioned ourselves really well. And in a, in a market like what we see, like yesterday, the stock market moved almost 5% from its high to its low. That's really scary. Yeah. Um, to put it in perspective, I think property values would probably have to drop by 50% for something like that to happen with our fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like I don't know if we'd see a, f- a 5% drop in the value of the loans in our fund. Right. Um, and if you are either entering the market to invest right now or you have money in the market, it can be extremely scary. I always think when I watch the market move with such volatility, I always think about people like my parents um, who are not, who are invested in the MIC, who are not invested in the stock market, but who maybe have people like my parents who have mutual funds or index funds that are exposed to the market. And can you imagine the anxiety and the dread in seeing your investment drop 5% in a day? Yeah. Can you imagine if you're on a fixed budget and those investments are what you're relying on for your future? Can you imagine if you can't make, if you're not in the workforce to make more money right now and your nest egg, the money that you're relying on for your future has just dropped 15%. So I would say don't paint all investments with the same brush. Right. right? Connect, when the market was going up <clears throat> 20%, Connect wasn't going up 20%. Right. 
right? Connect was paying 8% as a dividend. Mm-hmm. And just because the market's going down right now, the correlation still exists. Doesn't mean, sorry, the negative correlation. So the, just because the market's going down doesn't mean the mix is going to go down. Right. Right. The mix still going to return a really healthy rate of return to its investors. So I wouldn't say like it's a great spot to wait out the turmoil in the market. It's just a great investment vehicle. Right. It's managed really well. It's got, you know, a great group of people that are sourcing loans to put into the mortgage fund, that are investors in the mortgage fund, that are stakeholders in the business. It's got this great, we call it the motivational alignment. It's like really the secret to success for our company. The secret sauce. Yeah. It's, you know, making sure that the borrower, we, the company, and our investors are all motivationally aligned. And that motivationally, motivational alignment is, is, the, is the end result of our borrower being left in a better, stronger financial position than where they are today. Right. And although that becomes more challenging in this market, it really isn't a negative impact on our investors because for the investors, all it might do is stretch out the time horizon for our borrower to be holding our capital. Mm-hmm which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No. As long as you're picking the right borrowers, if they hold your money for a little longer, they may have to spend a little more in interest to service the loan that they've got. But that return is going to our investors as a return for them. Mm -hmm. So they're not taking any more risk and they're making, frankly, in this market, they're making a very healthy return, Uh a stronger return than we were previously making. Right. And if now we're lending money at the same kind of loan-to-value threshold on lower valuations for the real estate, I would argue that our portfolio and our fund is in a healthier position because the investment decisions are being made on more realistic property values. Right. When property values were running up, we didn't believe it anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We weren't lending on the inflated values that we were seeing. Yeah. And even now, we're lending at a discount to what we see the values to be. Right. So it puts our investors in a safe, strong position mm-hmm. uh, which is why i always kind of uh, that, that's why the mic exists like i can't sell a product that i don't believe in i can't work at a business and spend the amount of time that i spend thinking about and working on this business if i don't believe in it i think you're the same way yeah no 100 percent. number four reason today is shorting the market hmm so i listen i can't provide investment advice on this type of um asterisk yeah. That being said, I, in my own portfolio, mm-hmm. um, I don't hold a lot of equities. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do do is I buy puts on the S&P whenever I think that it's run up too much. So I think we spoke about this on a, on a, um, on a previous podcast um, where... Uh, Somebody said that the stock market is like dealing with the stock market is like dealing with someone who's like a manic, mm-hmm. right? And buying or selling something in this market is like dealing with somebody that like, depending on what kind of day they're having, how excited they are, how sad they are, how upset they are, you know, it will impact what the price you buy something for on that market is. And I think what we've seen over the period of this Fed tightening cycle is that the market, and the other thing about the market is always optimistic. The glass is always, always half full with the stock market. 
It's always predisposed to be optimistic. Right. So what we've seen in this run-up of increasing rates is a constant expectation by the market that rates are going to stop going up. Right. And each time the exuberance of this, this fervor of, you know, rates are going to come back down enters the market and isn't immediately crushed by the Federal Reserve or some data point, it runs. And as it runs, the market runs. Mm -hmm. And you'll see these massive swings where like, you know, the S&P will go from 3,600 to 3,900 just on nothing, on Mm -hmm. the market fueling this expectation that rates are going to get cut or the Fed is going to pivot or the language in the next monetary policy report will be softer. It's the, it's the psychological behavior. It's the way people are programmed. They've got bets on a certain outcome and they focus on that outcome. And they, when they read anything or when they look into anything, they pull in just the data points that will support what it is that their thesis is. They're not, look, they're not digesting information in an unbiased fashion. Right. They're digesting it with an eye towards or with, an, with a bias towards what they want the outcome to be. And the market does that on its own. And it kind of, it's this engine that fuels itself. All of this is to say that if you're watching the market and you watch it at this kind of pace and over a long period of time, you can notice where it's going in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. right? It's like slowly veering in the wrong direction, but it convinces itself that the lanes of the highway are actually in that direction. Right. And then the longer it gets off in the wrong direction, the reset becomes more painful. And they, these resets happen every time the Federal Reserve or a central bank, but it's really the Federal Reserve, comes out and says, we are raising rates. We are still raising rates. We need to raise rates. We are afraid of inflation. And bang, the market gets walloped course correct. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see these big swings. And if you, I mean, listen, that's why it's super risky, right? Like, you know, you're buying puts that will expire worthless if you are making the wrong call. Right. Um, for me, I'm in a position where, um, you know, I have real estate, I have general holdings and buying puts on the S&P are a natural hedge against my other holdings. And, you know, it feels good to like win on these small bets. I'm not saying like massive portion of my money is going into these things. I'm just saying that it's definitely one thing, one tool that I use um, when, I, when I think that the market is getting ahead of itself. Before we go on another asterisk, we're not investment advisors. We are not an investment advisor. Um, I am not a portfolio manager. I run a mortgage investment fund. But I'm allowed to do whatever I want with my own money. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I do ridiculous things with it. Yeah. Well, um, the last thing that we have to talk about today, number five of our list of the five best things or the five things that you can do to make some money in this, in this economy, in this recession, is start a business. Yeah, I like that one. So even when uh, like all the inflation talk started coming out, they interviewed like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. I don't know. I love listening to these guys because they're both like 100 years old. 
They've been around forever. They've been so successful in investing. And both of them highlighted the importance of investing in yourself. Right. Right. So like all things being equal, the best thing to do during like a recession is like to go to school. Mm-hmm. Like go get a degree. Mm-hmm. Make yourself better. Invest in yourself. And starting a business is one part of investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so if you believe in an idea that you've got, and understand obviously that like a business is 5% your great idea and 95% your execution of that great idea. If you have an idea for a business and you can start that business during a recession, and that business can do well, you are in for a great business as it comes out of that recession. Mm-hmm. So, so first off, if we're still in this inflationary period, is this a good time to open a business? Is it not a good time? And if you were going to open a business in a recession right now, what would it be? So I'll tell you, I'm looking at something right now. Okay. If we set it up, um, we're going to call it the Connect Real Estate Opportunity Fund. Okay. And it would be a private equity style investment. Mm-hmm. Where we would raise fifty million dollars, maybe a hundred million dollars, jump team for you. I mean, <laughs> and we would use that capital to invest in real estate opportunities in a kind of debt and equity mix. We would hold that capital. We'd set a time horizon of five years. Let's say mm-hmm. we would bring that money together, and then we would deploy it into opportunities that we see and then we would in five years we would look at the net asset value of the assets that we had deployed the capital into we would begin selling them and we would disperse the capital gains out to the investors i think that again it goes back to like the way to make money in these times is to run the direction run into the direction where everyone's running away from right and i think doing the uncool thing yeah and i think you'll be handsomely rewarded oh my god that's such a good parallel i was just talking about that today to somebody i was like i feel like all of the small joys that i once had in my life i've taken away from myself like i wake up in the morning and i don't look at my phone in the morning right i used to love like 15 minutes like in my bed in the morning looking at my phone i don't do that anymore used to like that right don't do it and then I used to love like kind of taking a nice hot shower in the morning. I stopped that too. Now I take a cold shower every morning. Like, what am I doing? I'm taking all of these little joys and I'm pulling, the, you know, uh, pulling them out. But doing the uncool thing. Uncomfortable thing. Uncomfortable thing is, is usually quite handsomely rewarded. And in a time like this where... You know, it's uncertain. You know, we know real estate prices are going to drop a little bit more. We know rates are going to go a little bit higher. We know it's definitely not the cool thing to be involved in right now. I think that you'll be handsomely rewarded if you go in right now, pick up some distressed assets in the real estate market. And as we come out of this recession, which we're, you know, probably 12 to 18 months away from coming out of, Mm -hmm. 
you'll be rewarded because rates are going to be lower. Fundamentals for real estate are still going to be strong. Um, and I think that uh, like, yeah, so if you, you ask me new business, that's the business I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of adding a fund to the portfolio um, of investments that connect offers um, and, and using that capital to invest in real estate that you know has been beaten down and that where there exists a real opportunity i love it i love it what about you what would you do if you were going to start a business i love that kelsey started a business by she started a business yes liar liar so justin's wife started a great business and uh it's like online clothing sales yeah if you're if you're a woman and you like to wear clothes um i mean if you're anybody and you like to wear clothes that are women's um head over to <laughs> shoplierliar.com but if i was a woman who liked clothing no if i was if i was uh if i mean i mean listen grabbing things from far away and scratching your back those are taken right as two as two businesses that i would start um i really can't think of something right now i like being i like working in mortgages i like helping people i like you know bringing people to a better financial situation so you know, I mean, I'll probably put some money in this real estate fund. Great. But that's about it. Great. I'm staying the course. I'm going to keep doing my duty to our clients. That's great, man. Yeah. Is that lame? It's no, lame. I don't think it's lame. Yeah. Listen, I think that like we talked about this in another podcast, but I think like fortitude and like having a goal and having kind of a reason for doing what you're doing is the most important part. Um, it makes you better at what you're doing um, because you can't just do something because you want to make money, right? You want to do something because you feel fulfillment from it, right? You get something out of it other than money. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing something to make money, you're not going to be successful at it. This was a very interesting episode mm-hmm. and this was actually our 50th episode as well. So that's very exciting. Oh my God. We didn't celebrate it with like birthday hats or like <laughs> yeah, little um, streamers. Those things that you... <laughs> yeah well i wonder why we didn't do that yeah i don't don't know either (laughs) maybe at 100 maybe check back in 50 episodes and we'll have some celebration uh goodies all right um thank you so much for listening if you're listening on anything hit the like button leave us a comment uh some questions that you have mortgage market related um or, uh, you know, anything. We'd, we'd love to hear from it you. It really does help us, right? Yeah. It helps us, like, the direction for our shows is based off of the comments that we receive from our listeners and our viewers. And you subscribing and following and engaging with us helps us with our content, helps us get it out to more people. So we thank you very much.